Let's all stand on number 320. <clears throat> 320. Do be seated. Well, I'm glad y'all are here tonight. It's a beautiful day. And uh, uh, just to do remember to be in prayer in preparation for uh, the uh, revival starting next week. Brother, uh, Brother uh, Taylor's going to be here, and so we're looking forward to him. And uh, there's opportunities to uh, provide meals and different things like that. If you have any questions, uh, please do talk to Miss Mindy about those things. And then... Uh, uh, we are going to have a, a men's meeting tonight, so men, please stay for that. We really don't have that many items to take care of, so if, if you could, please do come for that tonight, and, uh, and uh, that'll begin uh, immediately after the uh, service downstairs. All right. We're going to receive our evening offerings at this time. If our men will come to receive those. There we go. Amen. Brother Wade, if you would, ask the Lord's blessing, please. Amen.
We are going to sing number 297 now. 297. you to go to 2nd Peter and chapter 3 if you will <clears throat> all right 2nd Peter chapter 3 Verse 1, the Bible says this, it says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, 
that you may be mindful of the words were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then uh, was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant to this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of, the, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, uh, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Verse 18. But grow in grace <clears throat> and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Father, we do love you and we thank you for the privilege that we have to sing your praises tonight. We thank you for the health that we enjoy to assemble here together. And we just pray, Lord, that you would be with those who can't be here. Pray for those who need safety of travel. You give them that. Father, we pray for those who need healing. We just pray that you would give them that as our great physician. And Father, uh, maybe just touch hearts for those who should be here. Father, we just pray that you give a draw. And Father, help us to grow in our knowledge of you tonight. Help us that we might look at the world around us and desire to make a difference before it's eternally too late. Father, we do pray for the revival next week. We pray for Brother Taylor and his family. Pray for their travels, their health. Pray for the messages that are going to be preached. Father, we pray for our response. Lord, it would be according to your will and for your glory. And Father, more than anything, we just pray that you would meet with us now tonight. We ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. That verse 18 there, it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ, and that's what I've entitled this message, is growing in knowledge, or growing in the knowledge of our, our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things that I intend to do um, after the revival 
is to start teaching a class uh, Sunday afternoon between 4.30 and 5.30 for anybody interested. It's uh, mostly designed for our, our young men who have, have expressed a call to the ministry to give them the tools that they need uh, to give them opportunities, uh, sometimes on Sundays or even maybe a Wednesday someday, uh, to be able to take and present the Word of God and, and to, if you will, work in their calling. Amen. Now, having said that, there's other opportunities of all of us, uh, especially men, uh, uh, ladies, sometimes for ladies' fellowships and stuff like that, uh, men for devotions here. If somebody was interested in doing that, you could express that. We, we want to give you the tools that you need. And, uh, and I believe this, that this can seem very scary. Public speaking is the number one fear of people. Death is number two. It just seems like priorities might be backwards there. <laughs> And, uh, and so, really, I want to be able to give people the tools to take and to speak confidently, thus saith the Lord, and uh, to benefit not only from their studies, but also benefit us from their studies, okay? And so, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that uh, maybe we can expand our roster of people who might want to do devotions or, or speak on a Wednesday night or something like that. And to do that, we need to take and to have the tools, okay? And so I kind of just wanted to give an introduction tonight of what that class is going to be like. I think you've heard it's primarily designed for people called to the ministry. Anybody that wants to do a devotion, male or female. Ladies do the ladies' devotions, don't they? And so we want to take, and anybody who wants to be able to do that, we'll be doing it between 4.30 and 5.30 on Sunday nights, okay? And uh, we'll take and, and uh, start that out. I want to give some basic tools and basic ways of uh, getting us up to speed really fast, okay? And so one of the reasons I picked this book is, has anybody noticed anything about this book immediately? Did you all just turn right to it? And, and you knew where it was, but it was a little hard to find because it's so thin. <laughs> it's only like three pages. Mine is only like one, two, three, I guess it's, it's, it's three pages. So in my Bible, the whole book is three pages. You know what that means? You could read this entire book probably in 10 minutes. For if you have an average reading speed, you could sit down, read this entire book front to end in 10 minutes, all right? And one of the things I would recommend if anybody's ever studying a Bible, studying a book of a Bible, um, is to take and to read that book of the Bible. Now, it sounds silly to say that, but notice what he said in, in chapter 1. He said, uh, look at verse 1. Uh, let's see. Uh, am I reading it here? Well, I'm missing the word, so please forgive me. But he, this, is an, uh, this is an epistle. Anybody know what an epistle is? An epistle is a letter, okay? And uh, some of y'all don't know what a letter is. A letter is a thing that we used to write <laughs> on stationery, and you'd put it in an envelope, and it, you would actually write them. Maybe I need to talk to an older crowd here. <laughs> my, my grandmother used to be, she used to have, uh, you guys remember the little stationary notebooks they used to sell? And some of them were lined or some of them were unlined. Uh, if you have my kind of handwriting, you need the lined ones. Amen. And uh, you would just take and write that and she'd write that letter. And, and then um, if you ever wrote on the back side, you had to do a little arrow that looped underneath to say turn over. You know, in case people didn't know to look on the back. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? 
uh, this is what this is. This is a letter. He's, he's writing a letter, if you will, to these new Christians, and he's talking about, and, and there's a recurring theme in the book, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, if you will, they're, they're no doubt Gentiles, and, and uh, they need to know more about Jesus to have a successful walk as Christians. And so, if you will, he's exhorting them and encouraged them to grow in knowledge. There used to be the old ABC morning cartoons, remember those? And they had the one, knowledge is power, knowledge is power. And that used to be the thing that you'd see all the time, knowledge is power. And so, if you will, in a sense, knowledge is power or knowledge is authority. If you're going to teach a devotion, if you're going to have a Sunday school class, if you're going to stand in the pulpit, then you want to have the authority to be able to say, thus saith the Lord, this is not my idea, this is what the Bible says, okay? And, uh, and so if you will, he's encouraging them throughout this book to continually have that knowledge. Now, if you will, he talks about growing in that knowledge. Most of these people, no doubt all of these people, were saved. That's who he was writing to, was saved people. And so I want you to grow in your knowledge, meaning what? They had, if you will, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What do you need to know to be saved? Well, you need to know you're a sinner. You need to know that Jesus alone is the Savior. And you need to know when you trusted in him. Amen? And really, you don't need to know all that much, but you certainly need to know a lot more than that when you're growing and trying to live for the Lord. Amen? And so, if you will, I want you to notice a couple things. This is, this is true that knowledge is power in, in every area of life. If you want to succeed in business, you need to increase your knowledge of business. If you want to uh, succeed in you know, just whatever endeavor you need to take and you need to understand the workings of the business or the nature of the people or your product or something like that. If you want to achieve greatness in education, you need to know more than the average man in the streets. And if you want to, if you will, be successful, and I'm not talking about so that people can praise you and tell you how wonderful you are. Uh, um, uh, that is not the purpose of preaching. Can y'all say Amen. That's not your hope and your desire is this is the burden God gave me. I hope that I communicated my burden, okay? And, and so we're going to take and do that. Now, God obviously knew this principle that we need to grow in our knowledge so that we can be more successful in our endeavors. And so he wrote his word. Because why? Well, we face a powerful foe, do we not? How many of y'all believe the reality of the enemy we face? Amen? Keep yourself here, but it's probably just right across the page. Look at... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 8. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, folks, we have a very real enemy. He's a powerful enemy. By the way, does he, does he know the Bible? Folks, he knows the Bible well enough to challenge Jesus with it. That, uh, that's just telling you something. By the way, he's had a long time to figure it out even better since then. We talked about this a few days ago. The best lie has the most truth in it. And so he, he'll just take and put a slight nuance on a, on a truth, and it'll, it'll become a lie. And so is it important for us not to go into the Bible to find out what we want it to mean, but what it actually means and what it actually says, okay? So that's, that's what we're talking about here. Do we have a, a grave responsibility? You know the, the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, So the Bible teaches us, if you will, 
that we're to go and we're to give the good news. Now, the gospel, you can say, well, that's just the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Is there far more than that that we need to live successful lives as Christians? Amen? Is there far more than just Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures? He, he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures? Amen? And I will tell you, it's important for us to know the gospel, but there is so much more. We're going to see that here in the book of 2 Peter, okay? But notice also this. If I was to ask anybody in here, anybody, could you speak on such and such a date? For some of us, that would be a very intimidating thing, okay? For some of us, um, and I remember the first time I was asked to speak, oh, man, I wrote, uh, some of you have heard this story before, but I was so nervous, it took me a whole week just to find the topic, because instead of studying my Bible, I studied uh, Bible outlines. What Bible outline could I preach? And, and I didn't have any tools, to be quite honest with you. I didn't know what to do, how to do it. And so I finally, just out of desperation, found a, found a text through an outline, somebody else's. And, uh, and so I finally worked up my thing, and I hand wrote on five by seven index cards, okay? Anybody still use index cards? There we go, recipes and stuff like that, or just for whatever, right? Yeah. I, I still use them occasionally, and, and, and the whole point is they were five by sevens. Nobody used five by sevens, but I wanted to have all my notes. And I had 13 pages of notes on five by seven cards. Folks, that's six and a half pages of written notes. <laughs> okay, and so, if you will, I, I had all these notes, and I got to page seven, and it went to, uh, it went to page 13. I went, ah, I had lost six pages of my notes. And uh, anyhow, I don't know about you, but that would have been a good time to maybe sit down. Ah, right? And actually, I finally just kind of said, well, I've lost my notes, and so I just started preaching. And one of the preachers in the, in the congregation came to me later. He says, your preaching got a lot better when you stopped using your notes. And his whole point was this, and this is something I learned later, that if you can prepare a message and prepare your heart to deliver that message, you only need the notes to remember where you are in your message, okay? Because you have such a burden and such a passion. Why? Well, we have an important message. The gospel or any time we're able to the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be ready always to give an answer to who? Every man that asketh you the hope that lieth within you. Do you realize that we should ready? One of the best advice I was ever given by my pastor is he says, Brother Mark, he says, you need to be ready to preach, pray, or die at any time. And it was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. That, and he also said, put a sugar stick in your Bible if you go to a preacher's meeting just in case you get called to preach. <laughs> but... Uh, you got to know what a sugar stick is, do you? That's a message that worked one time. <laughs> okay. I don't use them, so anyhow. Try not to, anyway. The whole point is this. We have a grave responsibility to give those answers, and if we do get opportunities to speak, we do want to communicate a burden that will not just benefit us, but will benefit everyone, okay? Now, I asked this question kind of starting this. Why is it such a concern? Well, would you go to 1 Corinthians with me? Go to 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 1. And if I was to ask most of us in here, I remember that the first time I was asked to speak, I felt very overwhelmed because I felt very underqualified. Okay? And the Bible tells us this, though, that that is God's will and that's God's intent. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 27. The Bible says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, of whom God has made unto us wisdom. God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, say it with me, let him glory in the Lord. Uh, many of you know this and have picked it up, but if anybody ever praises you for a devotion or something like that, you always try to say, praise the Lord, give the glory to God. Why? Because if, if there's any good thing here, God did it. Amen. Amen. And so, but there are things that we can do to help us to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. And so, let me uh, just say this, and this, this is kind of introduction for the class a little bit. And, uh, and, and I do have my outline here if anybody would like to have it. I, I kind of don't want to give it to you as students because I want you to do it yourself, okay? But uh, the whole point is this, is um, you should, number one, read the text, okay? How many of you all know what the book of Second Thessalonians is about? Okay, how many of y'all think if you read 2 Thessalonians one time, you would know what 2 Thessalonians is about? And to be quite honest with you, you'd probably go, oh, yeah, I remember a couple verses, okay? Let me say this, and this is something that I was taught, and I think it's a good idea, okay? That's the reason I, I picked a book that's only three pages long, okay? Is you should take and you should read the text three times, okay? And I put two fingers up, but that means three times, okay? <laughs> All right, and so, um, so read it. And the first time, just read it, okay? And the second time, read it trying to look for patterns or divisions, okay? Now, I will tell you this. How many of you all have a commentary Bible? Okay, most of us probably do. And can I just tell you this? If you have a commentary Bible, let me encourage you, if you're studying the way I'm trying to teach you, get rid of it. Why? Because that's another man's thoughts and another man's ideas. Can somebody tell me what I'm thinking right now? Nobody? Well, there you go. <laughs> Very good. Amen. Yeah, you can't. Why? Because it's my mind. Okay? Who wrote this book? God did. So whose mind is that? And the Bible says that the, the Word of God is not of any private interpretation, meaning it is very possible for you to get your meaning out of this. Um, any experienced speakers here? Okay, Jimmy, okay. Have you ever looked at your old notes? Have you ever looked at your old notes and thought, What was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote them. <laughs> okay, and so my whole point is this, is if you're looking at a commentary Bible, you're going to immediately be biased towards their ideas and their thinking. Who do you want to give you the understanding of the text? The author or the commentator, or do you want the Holy Spirit of God? You want the Holy Spirit of God. And so my whole point is this, is, is, is don't immediately run to the tools. A lot of people, uh, just out of insecurity or maybe just a lack of confidence in yourself or your ability, you're going to want to take and run to the tools, okay? Don't do that. If you're going to get a message from the Lord, can I say this? You should get a message from the Lord. 
I'll give you the worst example I ever saw of that. We uh, have been going to a camp at Triple S now for 32 years. It'll be 32 years this year. And um, I remember one year, uh, we, Jimmy and I, or different people, whoever went, we'd trade between the teens as juniors. And this was one of my first years where it was my year with the juniors. I was going to go, and I was going to go be with the juniors. And this young preacher got up, and he started preaching a message that I had read the previous week out of the Sword of the Lord. Now, just so everybody knows, anybody know what Sword of the Lord is? I got to know, how many old people know what Sword of the Lord is? Okay, there we go. They, I mean, Baptist churches used to get them and stuff like that. It was a Baptist newspaper, Okay. And they would publish sermons in there, all right? And uh, this guy starts preaching his message, and I said, that's the same text as uh, that message in the sword of the Lord. And then his first point, and I said, that's the same first point as the sword of the Lord. And then his first illustration. He preached that message from the sword of the Lord verbatim. Please take this the right way. I was never so ashamed of a preacher in my life. Because he didn't say, I got this from the sword of the Lord. Come on. Listen, if you're going to copy somebody, just give them credit. (laughs) Okay. So here's, if if you're saying, thus saith the Lord, this is the message the Lord gave to me. Okay. It needs to be personal. And so if you will, you should take and you should read through the text three times. The first time, just for reading it. The second time, observe divisions. And the third time, dig into that thing. What's this word mean? What's a common theme? And one of the things you're going to see is in here he continually talks about, if you will, growing in knowledge of Christ. Growing in knowledge of Christ. Growing in knowledge of Christ. Okay? And so what would be the theme easily determined? What is the theme of the book of Second? Uh, what book are we in? Second? I'm sorry, I'm looking at Corinthians. I know that's not right. Second Peter. Okay? In Second Peter. So what is the theme? Growing in knowledge of Christ. And listen, you didn't have to write that. God wrote it. All you did is observe it, okay? And so you go in there and say, well, I, I've read it, and, and boy, this one just keeps jumping out. Anybody know what the theme of 1 John is? Anybody ever read 1 John? Love, it's a good guess. It might, might be love in certain chapters, absolutely. Anybody guess? It, it continually has a statement that says, that you might know, that you might know, that you might know, that you might know. Amen? Uh, if you will, um, these are things are written that you might know that you have everlasting life, okay? And if you will, that, that theme is, goes from chapter 1 to chapter 5, that you might know, that you might know, that you might know. What's the, what's the theme of 1 John? Well, that you might know. Y'all understand? And so God is the one that takes, and if you'll just simply read it and observe, and what keeps, what does he keep hammering on? What's he keep talking about? That is the theme of the book. And then that way you can take and study it and go, well, what's he trying to get me to understand? Okay. Now, uh, again, we're at 2 Peter. How many chapters are there? There's three chapters. Okay. So who put the chapters in there? Man did. Okay. Now, I, I believe that they're proper in, in, in this book here. As far as I know, I believe that they're proper here. But essentially, how many different main points to the theme that you may know are there? Come on, have confidence, guys. <laughs> I told you the answer. Come on now. I'm leading the witness. How many chapters are there? Thank you. <laughs> okay. So if you will, 
he's taking that you might know Christ, not that you might know, excuse me, that you might grow uh, in knowledge of Christ. He takes and he addresses three different aspects, one in chapter one, one in chapter two, and one in chapter three. And so it's a relatively easy division. Somebody's kind of done it for you. Now, don't trust that because you might see that, okay, kind of like the book of John that we saw this morning, um, excuse me, uh, the thought began in chapter 7, went into chapter 8. So you've got to be careful about that. Okay. Well, if you will, I took and uh, one of the things that I do, and one of the things I would encourage you to do, and by the way, if you're never going to do a devotion ever in your life, how many of y'all like studying your Bible? You like understanding what you study? You like getting something out of it that you don't have to get from the commentary notes? Okay. Well, you can use these same techniques, okay? You can use these same tools, all right, is a better term. Okay, so one of the things that I do is I give a rough outline to the book, all right? So let me give you my rough outline, all right? The rough outline is chapter one is grow in knowledge, grow in the knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ, chapter one. We'll talk about that here in a second. Chapter two is grow in our knowledge of the false prophets of Christ, okay? You'll see that. And then the third one is growing our knowledge as believers in Christ Jesus is chapter 3, okay? And so, if you will, I have that common theme, grow in knowledge of Christ, grow in knowledge of the false prophets, grow in knowledge yourself, okay, if you will, as believers in Jesus Christ. And so you can get a rough outline, and then all you got to do is go to chapter 1 and say, well, how does chapter 1 break down, all right? And just real quick, I got, I got four main points, Okay. <laughs> He's going to try to help us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. How, if you will, by teaching us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Look at verse 3. The Bible says in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life. Help me now, what's that mean? To life? It's just how to live. You guys understand? Okay, just how to live. I'm getting blank stares here. Uh, I, I'm not trying to bore you, really. I'm trying to help you here. And so all things that pertain unto life and godliness, okay? And so if you will, verse 3 again, that pertain unto life and godliness. So if you will, how we live and how to live godly, okay, through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue. And so if you will, knowing him teaches us how to live. Why? Remember what the Apostle Paul said? Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. And so he's saying this. He says, if I follow Christ and you follow me, we're all following Christ. Amen. And we learn how to live in this world. I will uh, say this. There's a lot of questions that we deal with today that you say, I don't know how to apply this in the day in which we live. Okay. Now, um, Abby and I were talking earlier this afternoon about some real issues that kids deal with in schools. And um, how do you treat somebody that says they're an animal? Would you mock them, make fun of them? Would you, come on now, talk to me here. You remember what Jesus did? He looked down on people with compassion. Why? They had bad leaders, 
okay, if you will. And so if you will, following him, you can follow, uh, know how to live. Also, the Bible says that uh, we need to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we might be partakers of the divine nature. Look at what the Bible says in verse 4. In verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature. See that? He taught us how to live, and now we get to partake in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, he, then now he gives us the tools how to get that divine nature. He says this, he says, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your, stop there for a second, add to your what? So, you know, what does that mean? It's, it's a silly thing to say this. It means they're believers. It means they're believers. They've already taken care of salvation. They're already believers. But if you will, they're, 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 they're young believers. They're people who don't know Christ very well because the whole book is about that they might grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and so if you will, here's how you're going to become more like Jesus. Add to your faith because you believe in him for salvation. But now you need to add to your faith virtue. Okay. And, and so you could go back and you could take and you could study what virtue means and, and, and explain that. Amen. Again, in verse 5. Uh, the Bible says this, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, say it with me, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you will, God says, you want to know him better? Add to your faith. What's the first thing you need? Virtue, discipline, manliness. Okay, that's what it means, all right? Go and, and so he's talking about, he says, listen, if you want to know him better, these are the tools to know him better. If you want to live like him better, these are the tools to live like him better. Uh, I, I have to ask this question. How long does an average sermon last in your soul, guys? Talk about the average sermon. You walk out of here, pastor has a good message. Good. That means C plus. Y'all with me? How, how long does a, a message last with you? Any of y'all have a message in your life that you'll never forget? Praise the Lord. How many of those do you have? I'm not trying to be clever here. I'm trying to make a point. How many of those do you have? You got five? Ten, maybe? Thousands? No, we don't have thousands. Here's my whole point, folks. If I take and I preach a message to you, it might have made a difference. It might have got you down the aisle. Amen. Anybody know what I preached last Sunday night? It must have been a good one. I'm, I'm, I'm only making this a, as a joke, guys, because unless it was one of those life-changing messages that you'll never forget, you go from message to message to message. Folks, think about this. It's that like, like that for me, and I prepared the message. I'm telling you, I have to quite, usually, to be quite honest with you, when it comes time to prepare the message, the first thing I do is, what did I preach last week? Okay, <laughs> so I'm like, well, I want to make sure I don't do it twice. <laughs> you all understand? And so I have to say, what did I preach last week? And I'm the one that wrote it. You all understand? And so my whole point is this, is how are we impacted by the word of God? We really need something that lasts us longer than one week's of memory. And we might go to Wednesday night and not be able to remember what I preached today. 
And at the time, oh, it was a blessing. Oh, it was good. Amen. But folks, if we're not adding to our faith, come on now. You all see that? I can take and make a temporary impact. We can maybe just take and touch a heart or touch a mind or maybe get somebody down an aisle. But does it get us through the week? Does it take and feed our soul? Does it change our character through the week? Amen. Folks, that's the reason that I try to give these tools to you so that you can add to your faith. Why? So that we can grow in our knowledge of him. Why? So that we won't be unfruitful. Amen? Isn't that what he said? And I don't know about you, only the older members are going to remember this. But how many of y'all remember when the baptistry stayed full? Well, if you do, you're remembering a long time ago. Amen? I drove past the Church of Christ this morning, and I don't know if you know the doctrine of the Church of Christ. It doesn't really matter. Um, I would encourage you to come to our church, and I believe what we believe. But can I tell you this? that they're, They are active, active people when it comes to soul winning and Bible studies. Matter of fact, if they're very active on college campuses, and I had a couple of them, you know, single me out and, 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 and try to get me started. I was always impressed with the fact that they wanted to teach. Now, they taught some things wrong. Amen? But they had a zeal and a desire, what? To share their faith. I'm just, I'm not trying to condemn anybody here, because I'm in it too. But how many of us sometimes feel like we're just trying to survive? Amen. And I don't know about you. I don't want to just survive life. I want to thrive in life. And God says, if I'm going to thrive in life, I need to grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. How can I do that? Add to your faith. Well, I got virtue. Well, have you got patience? Have you got long suffering? Have you got temperance? Come on now. Amen. And by the way, study those things out. Any of y'all even if you're a mature Christian, need to still work on those things. Okay? It's kind of like bodybuilding. Don't forget leg day. Man, I got virtue down. That's good. How's your temperance? Amen? How's your patience? Amen? And so, if you will. We see that he gives us, in chapter 1, talking about growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, he gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He gives us these things that we might partake of the divine nature. And therefore, the Bible says, make your calling and election sure. Go down to verse 10, because I believe this is the next division. The Bible says, wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, say it with me, ye shall never fall. Amen. Humble enough to admit that at some time in your life maybe you struggled with your salvation. And it's usually because we're not walking close enough with God. Anybody here ever doubted another Christian's salvation? I appreciate your honesty. Okay? And what is it? Well, the problem is they were negligent. They were negligent in the things of God and they got astray. Amen? And if you will, they fell. We don't, we don't say we dove into sin. We say we fell into sin. Amen. Like it's an accident. Well, it's only an accident of neglect. It's only an accident of neglect. Okay. So uh, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's, he's helped us to t- partake of the divine nature. He's told us to make our calling and election sure. And then in verse 16, he talks about uh, 
that we've been given some impeccable resources. Meaning what? You know, if you go to the library, there are whole sections on self-improvement. Whole sections. Anybody know what book to buy? My whole point is this. Is if anybody, if anybody here ever tried to study how to invest your money or how to make a sale or how to be a good leader, or how, can I just tell you there's whole walls full of those. Which one should I buy? I don't know. Buy Just keep reading them until you find a good one. Can, can I just tell you this? We don't have to do that when it comes to the things of God. He's given us everything we need to know him. Amen. Look at verse 16. The Bible says in verse 16, it says this. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. Uh, from there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, and when we were with him in the Holy Mount, he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. By the way, if you heard the voice of God and then said the Bible's better, can you imagine that? That's what he just said. He says, I've heard the voice of God, but this is better. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. What's the theme of Second Peter? Growing in knowledge. Amen? Well, look what he says here. Until the day dawn and the day star. Who is the day star, folks? Jesus is. Until the day star arise in your hearts. You talked about that this morning. Our mind, our, our soul. Amen? Until Jesus Christ grows and we understand who he is, what his will is. Amen? who he'd have us to speak to, what he'd have us to work on. Come on now, amen. The more you know him, the more you know you need to work on things. When I was a young Christian, I, you know, I grew. Uh, you got to remember that. I didn't come from a Christian home, at least a church attending home. And um, a lot of things when I first became a Christian were new to me, okay? And I remember... Uh, I was a member at uh, Berean Baptist in Springfield, and, and uh, I met a missionary, and I saw how he handled his kids. And I looked at him, and I was just so impressed. And I was, I was like, wow, look at that. I mean, and I mean, he had his kids just, they were just doing very well, okay? Now, there's no perfect parents, and there's no perfect kids, okay? But I remember just looking at that and just saying, wow, I'd like to follow that. That, that's a good role model. That's a good example. And, and really, if he was, it was just him following Jesus the way, he he, the way he understood to follow Jesus. Amen? Until the day star arose. And until it, it took over your life. And, and, and if you will, it transformed you. And you showed that you know Christ, not because you could pass some written exam, but because people could look at you and say, they've been with the Lord. They've been with the Lord. You remember, that's how they took knowledge of the apostles, amen? You could look at them and say, they've been with the Lord. There's something different about them, amen? And so they have matured and grown in knowledge. So chapter 1, we're just going to hit this real quick. Chapter 2 talks about growing in the knowledge of the false prophets of Christ. I'll have you to go back and study that for yourself, but you know what he said? He says, there are false prophets among you, even as there were false prophets among us. He's talking about the apostles, folks. Think about this. How many of y'all think he ever got over the shame 
of not being able to identify Judas Iscariot as a traitor. Can I just tell you this? I think Peter probably took that personally. Amen. They're, they're just, how did I not know? How did I not know? Well, you've got to realize this. He says, this is how you identify, if you will, the false prophets. And he goes through and he talks about their message. He talks about their motivations. He talks about how that they're in it for the money, essentially. They make merchandise of you, if you read through there. That's what he talks about. And I will make one conclusion about that. They are unbelievers by definition. You know what that means? Not only that they don't believe in God, they must not believe in punishment. Because can you imagine going and knowing you're making merchandise of God's people, you're turning them into, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, victims. Y'all with me? And you're taking advantage of the weak. Anybody here over 50 have a phone or a computer? Can I just tell you, it's getting scary how deceptive some of these, what's the word I'm looking for, scams? The other day I got, I got one and it looked like a bill that if I didn't pay it, I was going to be in big trouble. You ever got one of those? And we're old people, we pay our bills. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, and I looked at that, I said, no, I don't owe that bill. Do I? I don't own that bill. <laughs> Folks, my whole point is this. There is so much, remember how the best lies are real close to the truth? And they're doing it to take and to make merchandise of God's people. Amen. Can, can I just tell you this? If God says, know me, he's saying this too in, in chapter 2, know your enemy. Know your enemy. Why? Because they're doing all they can to deceive you and to make merchandise of you. And I will promise you, if you go through there and study that out, it'll be a blessing to you and an encouragement to you. Last of all, and I'm done. We see chapter 1 talks about growing in the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 talks about growing in the knowledge of the false prophets of Christ. And then chapter 3 talks about growing in the knowledge as believers in Jesus Christ. Notice the best tool he gives us. Look what it says in verse 1. The Bible says this second epistle, there's that word epistle I was looking for, amen? This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds, say it with me, by way of remembrance. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Notice what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to remember what I said. I want you to remember what I said. Anybody here good at memorizing? I'm asking you because you know it's not me. Anybody here good at memorizing? Are you? How do you do it? What technique do you use? And just retain it. In a rhythm? Yeah. I tell you, part of the reason I can't remember people's names sometimes is I remember people as couples. Because this is Jimmy and Erica. Jimmy and Erica. Actually, Erica helped me with hers because she says, like, America, Pastor? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I say, oh, America. Erica, how are you doing? <sighs> okay. Uh, the whole purpose is to remember. How do you remember the Word of God? Folks, can I tell you this? It used to be a big deal when you were a Christian. They would give you, remember uh, the navigation, the navigator, what am I talking about? Track packs or whatever they were called? Do you guys, 
Was that what they were called? Smaller than five by seven. Yeah, they were very much smaller than five by seven. And, and what they were is you kept them in your pocket, and then when you had spare time, you would just take and you would memorize. And, uh, I, and I, rem- I memorized a few scriptures that way, okay? And to be honest with you, the ones that I memorized the best, probably I did that. And so he's saying this, he says, don't forget what I told you. Don't forget the scripture. Have it ready always on your mind. Be ready always to give an answer to every man, the hope that lies within you. And what is the best way? Testimonies are good. They're powerful, okay? But testimonies with scripture are more powerful. And so what he's saying here is this. He says, if you want to improve yourself, you see this? If you want to improve yourself, don't forget what I taught you. Well, how do you do that? Well, you keep reading it, and you read it, and read it, or you, or you get some mnemonic to take, or you, or you memorize it, amen? And, and that way you take, and you have the tools to take, and, and, and if you will, to grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Notice also he says this. He says, keep your eyes open for what I told you. In verse 3 through 10, he talks about this. He says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Had he already talked about them? Yeah, he already talked about them in, in, in chapter 2. He says, but don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget the type of people that you're going out amongst. There are going to be scoffers. Uh, folks, how old is the earth? How old is the earth generally? Come on now, help me. 6,000 years, 10,000 years, thousands of years. Are you all with me? Okay, so how old is the earth? Say it, confidence. You guys are idiots, man. The earth is 350 million years old. Huh? Hey, I got education, man. Honestly. That's what kids in high school face. Anybody here who's taken a college class, I guarantee you, you've faced at least one atheist professor. At least one. And they basically dare you to stand against them. Why? Because they're going to mock at you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to ridicule you. Uh, take this right way, though. He who, who laughs last, laughs best. And the Bible says that God will have them in derision. God is going to be the one laughing last. But you know what he's saying? Don't you ever forget those are the type of people you're going with. What, what do those people do to you? Somebody laughs at you. What's your natural response? Talk to me and I'll be done. Anger. Right? And yet, what did God say to add to your faith? Temperance. Self-control. Amen? God says, don't forget these things. He outlines it. He makes it easy to break down. He makes it so that you can get an understanding from it. And then when you have that understanding, and it is a burden, then you can take and communicate it to others to give them an answer to every man that asketh you the hope that lieth within you. Can I encourage everybody, pray about taking that class. If you'd like to, 4.30 to 5.30, it'll start after the revival. And, uh, and uh, I, I pray I'll do all I can to make it a blessing and an encouragement and a strengthening for you. Let's all stand, if you would. We're going to sing number 487. 487.